Love City Arts Podcast. I'm Andre in the Flow. I wanted to create a space where artists could come together and encourage all of humanity through the arts. So welcome to that space. For more information, to follow my journey and the journey of all of our artists, visit andreintheflow.com and lovecityarts.org. Please enjoy today's episode and thanks for listening. Hi there and hello everybody and welcome to the Love City Arts Podcast. This is Andre in the Flow and today I'm joined by Chandler Smith. He is an actor and content creator that's based in New York City and a bunch of other places. Um, I've had the privilege of sharing the stage together with this cool cat about two years ago in Virginia and I'm so, so happy that you decided today, Chandler, to join me on the air here. Thanks for being here. Andre, I feel like I'm having deja vu. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we have to let our listeners know that I completely started into this conversation with Chandler, was like vibing, having a good, good time. He's he's dispensing where babies come from, the the knowledge of the universe, like where um, you know, where Amelia Earhart's like plane went, you know, off. And then I realized that we weren't even recording the episode. So <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, they're never going to know who shot JFK now. That's so sad. I know, I know. Well, stay well, tuned, because if Chandler ever comes back, if the if the government doesn't take him out, um, that will be revealed on episode 2,325. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm Andre glad you're here, flow, Tell me how, first and foremost, I am so glad to be here <laughs> chatting with you. I, I, it's been a, a trip catching up. I'm glad we're doing it all over again. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I was saying before, one of my one of my most fond memories of you is just getting thrown into our show at Bush Gardens on a on like a five minute notice, and <laughs> you were dressed up as a wolf. I'll never forget it. Ooh, yeah, what, singing what hungry a time, like a wolf. What a time! What a time! And we were huh. saying also that like I then for the later Christmas season, I was like this well this well meaning respectable um, dweller of Christmasville on the stage over in Germany in the Fest House, and then you were over playing uh, Scrooge. What was the name of that theater again? Uh, humbug. That theater oh. is is called the Globe Theater, and it, it's modeled actually after Shakespeare's Globe. For those of you who have never been to Bush Gardens, it's it's uh, this particular Bush Gardens in Virginia is is modeled after um, European countries. So each yeah. kind of section of the park is a European country, and so I believe you were in Germany for for Christmas time, and uh, and our theater was in England. So it was you know a, a replica of Shakespeare's Globe, a gorgeous theater, by the way. Uh, I mean, I state of the state of the arts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That show's really something. Uh, shameless plug for Bush Gardens, but they really, uh, Bush Gardens really pulls out all the stops for, for the entertainment. Uh, well, the roller coasters and stuff too. But uh, I mean, their shows are really top notch. And you know, we were both really fortunate to be a part of that that season. Yeah. And that was yeah. such a good time. And I, it's, I hate that I haven't seen you since then. That seems like such a long time I, ago. I, I kind of get the years. I've done that. I get those years muddied up a little bit because I've done that contract a few different times, but I, I specifically remember that year was very special. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, we, we had a blast. We had a blast. And so tell um, our listeners uh, what you're doing on the planet now that you're not in Dickens' world. Well, my first, uh, my first order of business, business on the planet is just living, baby. L-I-V-I-N. Okay, um, C- come on through. That's, the, come that's on through. The only thing. That's the only thing I really know how to do. Uh, mm-hmm. At the end of the day, but uh, as we were, as we were saying before, I um you know I've been I've been doing the actor actor thing for in New York City specifically for uh, like the almost ten years now eight years I moved there about eight years ago to New York and and you know it's yeah I know I know I'm I'm creeping into the ten year club which is uh, you know they say it takes ten years to fully become a New Yorker and I think that's total bullshit uh, <laughs> I don't feel like I'm a New Yorker but, right, but right, you know right, right. I'm start I'm I'm starting to hit that. Uh, I'm starting to hit that. You know, that double-digit land, and God, that's scary as hell. But also, you know, I feel pretty freaking resilient because I'm like, all right, you know, I made it this long. Uh, right. New York's a tough place, as you know. I mean, my gosh, uh, it's 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 you know, it's it, what we do specifically as artists, uh, or even just to be a human in New York City is really difficult, and you know, can really 
can really weigh on you. And what so, did you find, what did you find was like one of your greatest challenges of acclimating to this city that never sleeps? Oh gosh, um, <laughs> you know, I, I oh wow, God, I, I think that in different seasons of my twenties, because I moved there before I was twenty, I was like, I guess I was eighteen or nineteen. Um, you were eighteen when you moved to there. New York City. Uh, well, unofficially moved, but yeah, 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 I was about 18 or 19. Yeah, so I was really, you know, I was still, I was still for all practical purposes, a child. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I do, I do think that I, I'm really fortunate to have spent kind of my formative years as an adult in New York, but that didn't come without its fair share of, of you know, challenges. And um, I guess maybe the biggest thing for me was just the, at first, just the culture shock, because I come from a very, very... Uh, rural area in the Southern Appalachian Mountains. Um, and so, you know, when I got to New York City at, at a young age, I, I, I mean, I just couldn't, I, I couldn't wrap my brain around, around it, you know. Uh, Andre, where are you from? I'm from Virginia. I'm sorry so, to just like turn yeah. the tables on you. You're, no, no, I'm, where, I'm a South... Richmond? Richmond, Virginia. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. So you yeah. know, so you, you come from that, I'm not sure if it's below the Mason-Dixon line, but I think it is. It um, is. Totally Grits eating, cornbread loving, like, you know, smile at you, give you a good old hug, southern folk. Mm-hmm. Right, 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 right. Who would give you the shirt off your back? And, you know, I think that that was kind of the, that was kind of the, uh, the, the world that I grew up in. And then, you know, all of a sudden, here I am, this young, ambitious kid, just balls deep in Lady Liberty. Uh, like, oh my God, this is, <laughs> this is, wow, that was crass. I apologize, listeners. Uh, no, but I mean, I mean, no. but really and truly just like, like in it, you know, in the big yeah. trapple, New York shitty baby, uh, just like there. And, you know, I think that my biggest challenge was ultimately just, uh, learning to, learning to not be a spaz and, and <laughs> to be a functional human, you know, in, in the midst of all this chaos. Uh, yeah. and beautiful chaos, but just, you know, it's, it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff to get into in New York city, especially when you're 18 years old, you know? So, uh, so you know, I, I had my time, I had my time with the drugs and the alcohol and you know, that was fun. And I did that for a little while and that was, mm -hmm. you know, I knew that was going to happen. Um, and you know, I kind of got out of that and then really just kind of started focusing on focusing on being an actor, you know, which is its own to do that correctly, uh, in New York is, is really you know, it's its own thing, and it, it, requires, it requires all of you and then some what, to kind when, of do that. When did, uh, when did you fall in love with acting? Like, when in your life did you know, like, this is something that I really, really want to spend my time pursuing? You want to know something that's really ironic about that? Um, it's funny because we've been talking about the whole Scrooge thing. The moment that I discovered uh, that I was a vessel for storytelling and that that's what I wanted to, to devote my life to was uh, when I was, I guess, like five or six years old, my grandmother took me to see a live production of A Christmas Carol, the, oh. the, same, story, uh, the same story that we were telling uh, when we were working together. Um, yeah. My grandmother took me to see a production of that, and it was the first time that I had ever seen, uh, you know, I had ever, I mean, I had seen movies, but I had never seen a group of actors just assemble and come together and, and, and tell a story. And I was engaged the entire time. Um, and I think it was at that moment where I was like, this is, this is what I got to be doing. You know, this is, this is their job. This is their job. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. so uh, I honestly, that's, and you know, that's why that story is so special to me and always will be because it's, you know, kind of this ultimate redemptive journey, but also, you know, it has, it, it has a special place in my heart because it, it's kind of that story specifically has kind of shaped the trajectory of, you know, my young adult life. And so uh, it's funny that you should ask me that because that's, that was that moment for me. What about you? What was that moment for you? Oh, you're going to, you're going to flip this entire uh, episode. Um... Right. Well, if this is, if this is an open conversation, you know what I mean? I have to, I have to engage both sides. I see what you, know you did there. <laughs> I see what you did there. Um, also, this, I, is, this, is, this is a podcast, but also catching up with you because we have not caught up in true, a true. hot so minute. They get, to, they get to kind of watch us rebond. Um, I was raised in the Black folk church tradition um, where we were in church from the moment that I, uh, even before I could speak, I was always in 
Second Baptist Church on East Pilkington Street in Richmond, Virginia. I still remember it, and it, the red brick outside. And um, I was given a solo in the junior choir called Jesus Will Make It All Right. It will be all right. Jesus will make it all right. And people found out that I could sing, and they were that, you know, I got that solo. And I remember being... I remember having the understanding, even at that age, that somehow my gift of singing or my gift of being in front of them could, you know, bring them joy. Like people would be, you know, it's black folk church tradition. Like yeah, you better sing baby. Go on. Amen. Amen. It was, I, I could tell that, that I was, you better sing baby. I could tell that I was moving um, these congregation members with my music and with something that I loved and something about bringing joy to people in that way. Or, you know, I don't tell this story anymore. I don't believe in the Jesus that, you know, traditional religious people believe in, but somehow at that time in my life, like, you know, sharing the love of Jesus or the story of the biblical Jesus with people really, really brought me great joy. I could tell that they were um, being moved by it. And so by the time i uh, you know, was got into elementary school and middle school, and then started learning the actual technical elements of music that goes along with you know the squawking notes that I was doing in church and moving people. When I merged those two things together, I realized, oh, like this can be duplicated, like over and over again. Like there's a way in which you can, um, in the ways that we do um, nightly and in our projects, um, you can replicate this joy. You can actually turn someone's day around. Someone can come into your theater in um, Bush Gardens and feel heavy or feel sad or feel down or have just had an argument in the parking lot, and they can hear a line or a note or see a wink or smile from you, Chandler, and from me, and completely have their existence lifted. Um, and can be taken to these far off places. And, you know, there's a, a concept in our art, which I'm sure you know about, called emotional contagion. Um, in the same way that you can sneeze in a room and someone can catch a cold, which of course is a very graphic, you know, thing. In the same ways that someone can catch that, um, we can transfer uh, energy and light and love in that way. And they can, we can. You can sing that note. Um, you can be that hunchback as you were at that Halloween show. And I mean, when people... Surely was. This, yeah, and when people would see your, your, your... I think they're called slap takes in comedy. I don't know comedy like that. But they, they would see your punchlines and your moves and, and the way you delivered your lines. And like this theater of hundreds of people were along for the ride and laughing and taking deliberate joy and catching that you were contagious with joy they were catching that from you i mean that's why we do this um and so if i, I if absolutely I had to, you know so i've had to draw the lines well, back yeah. from go ahead no i just yeah i to, to piggyback on that yeah it's just like i i remember telling myself specifically I, I hate to keep bringing it back to the scrooge thing but when i when we were doing that show i was like you know if if one little kid in the audience could have the same experience that I had sitting in that theater all those years ago, then this, then this entire thing has come full circle and it has uh, suddenly become worth it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you know, oh, wow. It's a gift that keeps on giving. Well, and it's so interesting because, you know, at a certain point, if you want to be in this business, you, you have to make that deliberate conscious, uh, you know, choice to marry art and commerce you know when it becomes your living mm. it really changes the way it changes the way that you it changes the way that you perceive the art in my opinion and you know it's just so I, I, one thing that i've really been struggling with lately is just just the idea of you know it it's there's a reason that I do this and it's not necessarily for the paycheck you know um, yeah. but i think we find ourselves in that interesting conundrum where I hate to use the phrase singing for my supper, but it, it's so true. You know, mm -hmm. it, it, it feels like it feels so like I'm pandering to this group of people, uh, you know, just to just to get the paycheck. And, and that's that's not why I do it. You know, and I, I always have to self-check with that 
um, you know, and just be like, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is really fucking cool that I get to do this. This is this is an honor and a privilege, and and you know, this this responsibility has been bestowed uh, upon me by you know some sort of higher intelligence, and and this is my this is what I'm meant to do, and I, I always have to stay present in that, and 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 really trust that you know it, it is it. It does make a difference, you know, that even yeah. if it's just one person, which it's not just one person. I mean, it's an entire room full of people who are willingly suspending their disbelief and, and allowing you to tell them the story. But, you know, there's always that one person that really needs it. You know, that one person that that, that had that argument in the parking lot or that had some shitty mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. happen to them. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, they, they need to be uplifted in that way, whether it's music or theater or painting or, you know, whatever your medium is. It's just such a, you know, being an artist in, in any capacity is as I'm learning as an adult, it's such a huge responsibility more than anything. It's, yeah. you know, you really, it's so easy to see people shift their, you know, their, their beliefs about what, why it's important just because it's, it's their job. And, you know, we're both people who have, you know, who have made our, our livings, uh, made our living, our livelihood is in the arts. And, you know, that's a, <laughs> It's so funny to tell people that, too. It's wild. It's wild to think about. (laughs) And making – okay, so making the living um, in the art, and then I want to back up a little bit because you mentioned something that I think our listeners really, really engage with. I'm talking about, like, the moment that you kind of trust – that that you're supposed to be an artist and in your instance you're trusting now to a degree to where it's taking you into the bushes right 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 well you know it's funny how'd you end up there well you know so (laughs) it's funny i i'm as much as i uh, this is going to sound so uh this is going to sound so counterintuitive um however i as much as I love being a storyteller and, and working on projects, I, you know, Andre, I got really fucking sick of working on other people's projects and, and really trying to, I, we were having this conversation earlier. I can't remember if we were recording or not, but we were having this conversation about, you know, we, we, we show up to the audition studio, you know, 528th Avenue where dreams go to die. And um, my Lord, he's, he's referencing Ripley Greer, everyone. It's, it's, a, it's a, for those who don't know, it's an audition studio in New York City where, yeah, a lot of and, and an incredible, incredible facility. Uh, we're, we're not we're not hating on them. They're a wonderful. The Ripley Greers are wonderful folks. Yes, uh, they are. They are. <laughs> OK, go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just the, that environment uh, for someone who doesn't know what it's like to to you know, be an actor that's auditioning for uh, pretty much anything, because that's where most of, uh, most of the stuff happens in terms of, you know, rehearsal studios and, and audition spaces and whatnot. Um, yeah. And you show up to this building, 528th Avenue. It's got this big 520 written above the door. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it is, uh, it is you, you walk into the room uh, or, you know, you get on the elevator and there are 100,000 other actors there all trying to get the same job. And it is unlike any that room is unlike, or that, that space in general is unlike any place I have ever been before in my entire life. Uh, it can be very, it's cold. I mean, it's just, everybody knows everybody. And so you have to watch all these reunions happen, before, you know, while you're trying to get into a positive headspace to go into the audition room where ultimately the people behind the table already know what they're looking for, essentially who they're looking for in a lot of cases. And, you know, I just kind of got really sick of, I, I recently, you know, I, I, Last year, I had, I, I had a lot of work, and it was a really good year. Um, and, you know, I finished off all my gigs and got back to the city, and I, I, was, uh, I was in the callbacks for a, a Broadway show. I won't, I won't say which one. Um, awesome. I didn't book it. Uh, and I, I, um, I, I was, you know, I was there, and I, I just kind of had this moment where I was like, God, I need a break from this. You know, I've been doing this for almost 10 years. I, I had a great year last year. Um, you know, I, I have this project that I've always wanted to do, and I don't have anything lined up until the summer. And so, you know, maybe now is the time for me to go <laughs> live in the woods, uh, which sounds like a crazy thing to do. But ultimately, let me backtrack a little bit. I, I've always had this idea for this uh, reality docuseries um, about somebody, that somebody being me, who lives in a thriving metropolitan area who wants to reconnect you know, to our planet and to the Mother Earth and, and specifically in my case, the region where I grew up and where my ancestors, uh, you know, made a life yeah. for themselves. And so yeah. I'm in this really, un- really unique position where my grandfather um, has this piece of property 
here in North Carolina, and it's it's an old family farm. Um, he doesn't live there or anything. He lives like 50 or 60 miles away, actually. But it's this old family farm, and it's like 300 acres in the mountains of, of the Southern Appalachian Mountains of North Carolina. And so it's this huge piece of property. Um, there's a cave a 300, there. 300, also, 300? Uh, yeah, actually a little a little more. Um, it's 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 an incredible it's an incredible piece of property. It's literally a wow. huge mountain. So so what's unique about this property is it's been in the family since the 1700s uh, when my ancestors settled there. And so even more interestingly, all of my ancestors, grandparents, uh, great grandparents, great great grandparents, great 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 grandparents are all buried there. So wow. it's a beautiful farm, right, right, right. And so this totally unique, um, this totally unique family plot and and piece of property that has been in in my family for generations. And so my brother and I, my little brother and I, um, are are the only grandkids. And so at some point, uh, we're going to inherit that property. And so it's kind of one of those things where. Uh, while I still have my grandfather around, because he's, you know, frankly, he's very old and, and he's not doing great. I, while I want to have, while, while I have, no, it's okay. I mean, you know, that's a part of life. And uh, while I have him here, you know, I really wanted to, I really wanted to do this project. Uh, and essentially, without giving too much away, because it's still very much in development. Yeah, yeah, making, don't, don't spill um, all the beans. <laughs> as, yeah. as we speak, making it. Uh, but uh, essentially, the idea is, you know, I've, I've spent the last, nearly 10 years living in and arguably one of the busiest cities in the country. And so this is my opportunity to kind of unplug and, and reconnect to my roots and reconnect to the land where my ancestors, where they, where they, where they cried, where they sweated, where they bled, you know, yeah. uh, and the history behind the history behind this place is really fucking fascinating. Um, so essentially what I'm doing is I'm, I'm going in the middle of the woods. It's very, very isolated. So it's, you know, miles and miles and miles away from anybody or anything. So what I do is, um, so at first, because I've been in the city for 10 years, man. So I'm, I'm a bit of a, I've kind of lost my finesse in terms of um, being in a wilderness survival situation. So what I've been doing is I've been going out, I've been going out for four days at a time. um, And, Two of the times that I've gone out, I've done this three different times now. Two of the times that I've gone out, I've had people with me, and one of those four-day stints, I did not. And all of this is leading up to what will ideally be a 45-day, completely silent, um, almost isolation exercise in which, you know, I, I I go up there in the middle of the woods and fend for myself for 45 days and don't have any interaction or communication with anybody. And it's all happening on the same piece of land that my ancestors, you know, fought so hard to, and I don't mean fought in like a war sense, but just fought so hard. The, the, the terrain is unforgiving and, and yeah. to maintain and, and to frankly, just to keep in the family, you know, because this is, we're talking about extreme Appalachian poverty. So, you know, there are people in this County who have dirt floors, you know what I mean? Um, oh, wow. And so just, so just as I experienced the culture shock of, moving from a, a rural area to New York City, I'm almost having that same experience over again from, you know, coming from having spent, you know, nearly the last decade in the city to this little place where, you know, uh, many of the people are just totally ass backwards. Uh, mm. It's just so for it's just so foreign to me altogether. But this is, but you know, you kind of it. an attempt. I, I do. I, I, I can't lie. I do love it. I love it. Uh, you know, I didn't grow up going there much as a kid. Uh, so I'm kind of, you know, discovering it for myself now as an adult, you know, knowing that someday I, I'm going to have to be able to, you know, maintain it and, and uh, be responsible for this ginormous forest, this huge <laughs> mountain. Uh, so, you know, this is my attempt to do that while I still have my grandfather around to, you know, to kind of um, to kind of tell me about it. And, you know, he I mean, he, his story is just so fascinating. He. He grew up there uh, on this piece of property. He didn't have he didn't have power in his home until, you know, he was like 15. You know, yep. so he grew up in this ex- extreme poverty-stricken situation. I mean, hardcore mountain poverty. His father died when he was very, very young, and you know, so I mean, how fortunate am I to still have him around so that I can, you know, I can talk to him about what it was, what life was like there, and 
and really go experience it for myself in a time where, you know, it's just so easy to lose sight of that. You know, we live in this social media iPhone age where, you know, everything is so, everything is just so disingenuous and so, you know, put on for, you know, doing it for the gram or, you know, even the idea, even the, even the idea of filters, you know, like I'm going to filter the image so that they're not really seeing what's actually happening. You know, it's true. We live, we, we live in this world now and, you know, where, where that really kind of, I mean, it's a part of how we exist. And, you know, I, this is kind of my opportunity to unplug from that and, and to kind of disengage from all of the re- regular obligations of humans. Um, and, you know, to really start vibrating on a higher frequency, I think, and, and to just reconnect to the, to the earth, because that's another thing that I've really, I was really passionate about as a kid and, and then moving away to New York, you know, you just, you forget what a beautiful planet we live on because it's just, I mean, for those who are listening who don't live in New York, I mean, it can be, it can be really shitty. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I can hear, <laughs> I can hear the change even in your voice though, with this experience. I know we haven't talked in like two years, but like the, the, I can tell that this experience and this grounding and this reconnection with your ancestors, both physical and beyond, is really going, you know, pardon the pun, roots deep with you. Um, right. I can tell and it's that something that, that I really, you know, I, I, as you know from being in the South, I mean, uh, family is important. And, and because I've moved so far away from home, I've, I've really kind of lost connection with my family members in that way, you know, because I... I haven't I haven't really I mean I've missed all the Christmases and Thanksgivings because I've been I mean you, you and I spent a Christmas and Thanksgiving together as a matter yeah. of fact. I was but, cousin you, Dre you know, for I, Christmas. Say what now? I was cousin Dre for Christmas, you know? Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, so I've I've spent I've spent all the major holidays away and so this is really a a, 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 a in my opinion, a beautiful opportunity for me to reconnect and, and you know some crazy shit's happened to me throughout this process. I have not done my 45-day stint yet, but that is that is uh, that is coming up. And and for that one, I'll be unplugging entirely. We've you know we've we've strategically mounted cameras across the property, so they'll be tracking me you know day and night. But I'm not going to have any contact with any humans for 45 days. And wow. uh, you know I'm wow. I'm, <laughs> I'm fucking freaking out about it. But also uh, you know I'm looking forward to that experience. I mean I, I look forward to, to seeing. I look forward to seeing the, the, the finished product of this for sure. Tell me about your grandfather. What's like the greatest lesson that you've learned from him so far? Ah, uh, wow, my God. Um, you know, wow, God. I'm, I knew that you would ask me something about him, and I, strangely enough, I'm not even really prepared to answer that question. It's fine. Uh, okay, think, so how does he make you feel? Well, you know, it's it's interesting. I. As a young, as a young man, as a young child, I, I never really understood him. You know, I, I think that he he's been just as lovely as he could be to my brother and I. He's he's you know we were his only grandkids, so you know we we've spent a lot of time around him. Um, but I, there were always there were always things that he would that he would do when I was a kid that I could just never wrap my brain around. You know, just ways that he would react to things and just the way that he was. I could just never I could never quite figure it out when I was a little kid and you know now that I'm older I'm realizing like wow this man has has fought for everything that he has you know and he's he's overcome all, he had everything working against him you know absolutely everything working against him he, he was in a, a tremendous poverty tremendously poverty stricken upbringing and and he got himself out of that and he said you know what I'm going to provide a better life for my family. And, and, you know, he studied really hard, which I was a fucking terrible student, a terrible student, Okay. Uh, which is where we are totally, you know, where we totally don't align, but he studied really hard and went away and got his master's degree and became an engineer and, you know, and did, did really well for himself and was, it was able to hold on to his piece of property out there, which so many of those people weren't able to, 
you know, because of, uh, I mean, gentrification happens in the mountains too. Um, and, and it's happening there oh. at, a, at a really alarming rate. I didn't think about right, that. Right, right. You're saying that like that, that if affluent white people are coming in and then taking over the property and things. That's exactly what I mean. Yeah. It's, it's actually, it's happening, uh, on, on an even larger level, in my opinion, than, it, than it's happening in, um, in New York, just because of the economization of space in this area. So there's so much space there, but what's happening is, just like you said, the rich, white, yuppie assholes are, are moving in, and they're, and they're essentially forcing these indigenous mountain people out of, out of their homesteads, out of their, out of their homes and their family plots. And, you know, my grandfather has fought that tooth and nail. To go where? To where, are they trying to send these, where are they trying to send these people? Well, you know, just like the people in New York, they, they don't care. Um, oh, you know what man. I mean? These big real estate developers are coming yeah. in. And, and, and Andre, I, I mean, this, this part of the country is just so gorgeous. It's, so, it's just untouched. It's like, it's like God's thumbprint, just totally yeah. the way that it would have been. You know, I, some of the oldest mountains in the world, the Southern Appalachian Mountains, by the way. Um, and now these real estate companies are coming in to, you know, to develop and make these huge million-dollar – in fact, there's a you know, million-dollar uh, – home you know on the next lot over and it's just like oh you know uh, it, it's just so it's so ugh, it makes me just feel so sad but uh but yeah. back backtracking to the to, to that question about the most valuable lesson that that he's taught me you know i don't i don't know at this point in my life and and i think because I, i'm i'm dealing with him every day um i i will i'd have to actually take a step back because nobody's ever asked me that I'd have to take a step back and really think about that one. Um, yeah, I mean, it seems like think, he's uh, taught you a bunch by by the virtue of the living of his life, like his ability to overcome, his ability to come back. I mean, maybe he didn't say anything or give you like a specific lesson, but sometimes um, a well-lived life is the lesson in and of itself, you know? Um, right, right. And, you know, it's interesting, it's interesting how, how those – how we learn those lessons on our own time, you know, cause I never stopped it when I was a little kid, you know, I, I, I just didn't ever think about what his life was like when he was my age, you know, or, or what he would have gone through, you know, cause I, I grew up in a, you know, I had running water. I didn't have dirt floors. Uh, but, you know, that, that wasn't, that wasn't the case for him. And I didn't think about that when I was, you know, when I was young and it's only recently that I've really, you, you know, wanted to hear more. Uh, and so what's really awesome first and foremost about this project for me is that, it's an opportunity for me to put him on camera and to preserve those lessons, you know? Yeah. So he's, he's given me, he's given me so much because I know I, I, he's got so much to say and I know I'll just kick myself in the balls if I don't, if I don't document that somehow, you know, so that I would be lying if I said that that was not a really, that was kind of a selfish um, incentive for me to do this project is to really, is to really capture him and to preserve him and his essence. Um, legacy you know uh, yeah and on um, and something you know the thing of the thing because I'm, I'm i don't have much experience in the land of like uh film or television production other than you know a few tiny gigs here and there i've predominantly been on the stage you know and so yeah. there is a learning curve here but you know, movies and film that's something that that lasts forever you know when we do a play you know all that you really have from it are pictures uh, or or you know the memories that you share like we've been talking about tonight yeah. With, with something like this, with something like this, you know, I, it will be a tangible thing it will, where, where he exists, you know, uh, physically on the screen. And, and I'll always have that, you know, and that, That's amazing. that was really important to me because, you know, as I, like I told you, it's just my brother and I are, who are going to have to care for this, you know, property. And, and I live thousands of miles away, you know, so. Um, wow. So Can I you really tell? That ultimately, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. What were you saying? I'm sorry. I was going to ask you, like, about you told me about your grandfather's uh, comeback story from out off of the dirt floors into being an engineer and then having this land and preserving this land. You know, is there? Do you have? Do you have a comeback story where you thought, like, I'm not going to beyond surviving New York City? Is there a moment in your life where you're like, I could very well not survive this, and then somehow you? You came out on the other side. Yeah, I, well, I didn't think we were going here, but but yes, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, to to backtrack to a question that you asked earlier, one of the biggest, and I, I didn't actually, I didn't think, I I didn't think to go there um, when you asked me this, but I 
I, when I first got out to the city, um, mm-hmm. I, I did have, I did kind of have a little struggle, uh, and not a little one, a significant struggle with drugs and alcohol. Um, mm-hmm. and, and honestly, man, you know, that that's one that, uh, that's one that really got me and really kicked the shit out of me there for a little while. Um, and, and, you know, I, I that, that's one of those things where I, uh, and, you know, listen, everyone's definition of, of harmful drugs is, is different. Um, my particular drug of choice that was really, really getting me was, was cocaine. And, yeah. uh, I did, a uh, enough of it to sink the queen fucking Mary. Um, <laughs> Lord, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, it was, it was not, it was not a good situation. And, you know, it, it, once again, culture shock as a little, a little kid from North Carolina, you know, that's not something that I had ever, that's not something that I ever dealt with. Um, what were you looking and, for? You know, I, when you were doing, was it just a good time? I mean, I've also um, publicly will state that I've done cocaine as well. And I mean, what, what were you looking for? Like, I was looking for like the all night, like rage, like, let's go have fun. Let's party. Ah, yeah, you know, what were you looking for? You know, it started, it started out that way. It started out as, you know, I just tried it a couple times in social situations and that was fine. Honestly, you know what, it, interestingly enough for me, it was, I was so impressed and shocked by how many other people and notable people that I was able to do it with. You know what I mean? Because, you know, the thing about drugs is most people love to do them. Uh, and <laughs> yes. so, you know, it was, it was kind of one of those things where, I was, you know, at that time I was in an off-Broadway show and it, it had been running for like a year and a half. So wow. I, I, you know, I, I was around, I was, I was around people that I really respected and thought were cool and looked up to. And, and, you know, when I would discover that they like to do drugs and all of a sudden I had a bunch of drugs, it was like, oh, this works out really nicely. And, yeah. you know, oh my God, these people, these people that I'm blowing lines with at three o'clock in the morning are my friends. This is awesome. Yeah. But the thing about the, the thing about the drug, the, the drug of cocaine is that it, it, that's not actually the case. You know, they're, I, I think I, I had that realization that, okay, well, if I'm doing drugs with these people, it doesn't necessarily make them my friends. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, you, you do. You come, and, out of, and, you come out of the fog where you're like, oh, wait, like, this isn't as real as I thought it was. It's, right, it's all, right. well, it's, and all you know, it's pasted together by the actual, it's cocaine paste <laughs> that is literally holding right, it all together. Right. Yeah, Elmer's cocaine glue. Uh, yes. And the, the thing about it, God, don't sue me. Don't sue me, Elmer's. Uh, the thing about it, though, you know, the, the thing about the thing about doing cocaine is that it always leads to more cocaine. So <laughs> it was like yep. I was I, I, draining my voice. Or, sorry, draining my my uh, bank account. I was doing these voiceover gigs too at the time. So I, you know, I, I I had a little bit of money coming in, and you know, I was just spending it all on that. And God, my God, if I had a tally of the amount of hard-earned dollars that I spent on that drug. Um, right, right, right. Jesus Christ, man. I mean, it really mm-hmm. kicked me in the fucking balls. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's, uh, and, and, you know, that's something that I, I'm not afraid to talk about publicly only because it's something that is very important to me. Um, how did you dig out? How did, how did you liberate yourself? Or like, was it, for me, it was rehab and a bunch of different, you know, steps in several programs. I mean, not just a 12 step, but like a 22 and a half step program to kind of get me out to this place of like self-love and acceptance and kind of recalibrate what real relations was like. How did, how did you get yourself um, up and out? I, I mean, I, I, you know, I did seek counseling um, and, and, and secretly, I mean, you know, I've, I've told my friends and loved ones, uh, you know, they know about it now. And some of them were seeing me through it in that time as well. But uh, yeah, I, I had to, you know, I had to get help because it's okay to get help. You know, uh, and, and I was so young that I, I just didn't understand what was happening. And, you know, how did, how did, I, how did I get myself to this place? And, you know, I, I, that was like probably one of the most vulnerable times in my life, too, just in that I had to, I had to ask for help, which is not something that I'm, I'm you know, as a, as a mountain kid, you know, I'm, I'm prideful as hell. I'm also a Leo, you know, so I, that was not something that I, not something that I was ever like really about was asking people for help. But, you know, that was one of those times where I where I had to, and I'm glad that I did because I really don't know what would have happened to me. And, and so now, uh, obviously I don't do cocaine. I really, uh, I don't drink, um, uh, like I, I, this, uh, in 2017, I've, I've drank two different times, uh, or I guess it's 2018 now, um, two different times. Um, 
you know, it's just uh, I stay away from the drugs. I do love to smoke pot, and I will not apologize about that. You should um, not, and, n- sounds, and neither sounds will a little counterproductive. It sounds neither a little counterproductive. Um, mm-hmm. No, no, right, no. But, you know, I, it's just there's so, a difference. It's so easy to fall into those. There, oh my God! There's absolutely a difference. There's and, and you know what's so? Don't even get me started about that. But it's just such a uh, that's such a fucking double standard. Um, that people think that it's worse than drinking. I, I mean, you know, alcohol was another thing that really just. And I've learned how, that's one I've learned how to manage. You know, a, a, yeah. I, it, I really don't have any desire to drink much anymore. Um, mm-hmm. But you know the 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 fact that people uh, vilify cannabis use is just absurd to me um but you know uh not my battle to fight i'm gonna keep doing what i'm doing baby but uh yeah you know i i think that's definitely my my dig myself out moment and and that's that's one of those things that i feel so strongly about that, that drug specifically it i i had no way of knowing but it, it comes up in our industry it really like people oh, love yes oh it's readily available it look i'm telling you it wasn't until i um there's a gay bar in the city called um the ritz and it wasn't until oh right the ritz um, oh, yeah, yeah. kitchen <laughs> yeah it wasn't until i saw security leave and, and hug each other goodbye and the gates come down and the sun come up it wasn't until i was sitting on the porch across from that bar like higher than Jesus that I realized forty six three restaurant yeah. row. I said I may need I may need to reevaluate some of my my decisions about the things that I inhale. Um and we oh all God, had those yes. moments when, you know, and I've never done that on any other kind of uh, you know, drug, but it was it was that that kind of uh right. t- well and I lived yeah. I lived in Hell's Kitchen at that time. So I but it's funny because like I have distinct memories of uh, right above the Ritz, uh there is a bar called I, I think it's called Bet Bar, but it's it's known as Hourglass Tavern. Uh-huh. Um it's literally right above the like right uh, well it's actually I think above the House of Brews there on forty sixth Street. So I have mm-hmm. so many memories of coming out of that bar at night and the whole crowd from the Ritz it's taking mm-hmm. over the whole fucking 46th street block and everyone's fucked up on drugs. That's right. It's just like a Tuesday night. <laughs> I thought you I thought you were going to say I have a vivid memory of walking down that block and seeing your broken ass on the <laughs> <laughs> Oh, who knows? I probably did. You probably and that's, did. You know, that's one of those things that I'm like uh, you know, I'm I've spent I've been away from New York now for about 3 weeks and it, it's it's one and you know, I come and go for for work a lot, but it's just one of those things where I'm like you know, when I'm in New York, I'm so broken, and I walk past so many broken people. And I, I, it's very possible that it could have happened. Uh, I love God, it. you know, that neighborhood is almost just, like, synonymous with, with cocaine use. It's crazy. And, and yeah. don't get me wrong. I love, the, I love the culture of it. I think, you know, I'm not saying I didn't have a really fun time. And that right. is another really tough, tough thing for me is to distinguish, like, okay, this was fun as hell, and, I, you know, I got to do coke with some crazy celebrities, and, you know, mm-hmm. that was awesome. Mm-hmm. But is that, you know, it just doesn't serve me. It's not going to, it's not going to get me to where I want to be. And I don't mean in a, in a career sense, just in a, you know, in a in everyday Chandler Smith existence. Yeah. You know, that's something that was really crippling to me. And so, um, it's important so, for, know, our, I, I, this, I, it's important for our listeners to recognize that, you know, there'll be times in your life where you'll go through change and it's important to know like i can i can let this go i can i can choose a new path today um if i like to right uh, and it's, it's never too late to do that and and god i wish i could get in a time machine and go back and tell not only myself that but and you know listen i don't begrudge any of those experiences those experiences have shaped me into who i am so i'm grateful for them good bad and ugly However, I do wish that I could I could go to some of the other individuals that I was interacting with that time, many of whom are still you know very close to me, and, and just say, hey, you know, it's okay to reevaluate and to say oh, this this isn't the thing for me because unfortunately, you know, some of my friends who who I, I kind of entered that season of my life with uh, haven't really left that season of their life. If you know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I it's it's like it's one of those things where it's. It's just so tough, and I know the the temptation to to do cocaine, specifically cocaine, whatever whatever drug it is for you know that that cripples Never. you. Uh, but that's yeah. what it was for me. It's just it's just one of those things that I, I it's okay to 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 not do it. 
Um, so instead of cocaine, like, of, you. of course, of course. Um, instead of cocaine, what's bringing you joy these days in lieu? Oh my gosh. Well, um, you know, just, just life itself. Uh, because I think I'm high on life, man, which is totally yes. a uh, bullshit statement, but, but the <laughs> idea that, you know, um, that, that, uh, listen, when I was going through my, my own treatment, some of the people that I was dealing with didn't, didn't get to make it out. Um, right, and, right. And, you know, their, their, their lives uh, were ended as a result of it. And, you know, it really was a profound, it really was a profound teaching, uh, not teaching moment, but a learning experience rather for me. And just in that, wow, I, you know, I, I take such satisfaction in knowing that I don't have to, I'm not dependent on anything you know, substance or otherwise nowadays to live my you're life. Just, and, you're just drinking in life and just letting your experiences unfold exactly like they're supposed to. Well, and whatever, whatever fulfills me in any given moment, you know, will do the job just fine. You know, whatever my hobby may be at that time, you know, I like to, I like to dabble in, you know, different, different things. So, uh, I, you know, that's a tough question. I, I know one thing that actually did happen for me is when I got sober, because I went cold turkey sober there for a long, long time. And I, you know, I became really, I got really healthy. I lost a bunch of weight, um, you know. So, I mean, it was, it, it was, I, it's just a tremendous uh, transitional period, uh, you know. And it, it was scary and sad and shitty and very, very tough to deal with. But, you know, I, it's like one of those things where I haven't been met, and I, I know it will happen, but I haven't been met with a challenge quite as difficult as that since then. So, you know, I'm really kind of just enjoying uh, yeah. <laughs> riding that out. You know, that's been, I guess, about three or four years. Um, uh, I guess about four years now, cocaine free, which is, I mean, Jesus, uh, let's that's be pretty... thankful. Let's be thankful. Yeah, exactly. And, and honestly, I, I have to, that's one of those self-check things every day where I have to be like, okay, you know, this is I, I, not that I have the, not that I ever have the inclination to do it, but I, you know, if, there, if I'm going to be in a compromising situation where it, cause it's come up since then, you know, I've been places where it's, it's happening, you know, and for the longest time I, you know, I had to, uh, I had to excuse myself. I just had to, I just had to leave, you know, yeah, and, and now go. it's one of those things where I can, I, I can kind of turn my head and be like, all right, well, you know, uh, don't come over here and offer me any of that. Please. Yeah. Been, <laughs> yeah, been, been there, done that. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. You know, and I don't, I, listen, you live your life. If that's what may, if that's what you want to do, I think you should do it. But also, you know, for me specifically, it, it just wasn't, uh, it just wasn't the it wasn't the the, the right choice. Um, yeah, you know, you're good. What else fulfills me these days? I don't know. Well, I just 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 my life in general is is fulfilling enough, and I'm I'm grateful for it because the older I get, the more I realize that you know, wow, time is is a motherfucker. She moves yeah. real quick. She does. She really does. And I mean, I want to thank you. Speaking of time, I want to thank you for your time on the podcast and like speaking with me today and. Absolutely. I've enjoyed every moment of it. Uh, and this, I, this particular version and 1.0, which we didn't get to record. Listen, listen. A, that's a, a, a magical 16 minutes and two seconds. Trust me, I timed it. And um, oh, I always, my God. Yeah, I always end this uh, podcast with a couple fill in the blanks. Um, so oh, first wow. of all, right. tell people where to find you online if they want to check out your work and your project that's happening um, in the southern Appalachian Mountains of North Carolina. How can they follow what you're about? Well, the best way to follow what I'm about at the moment is uh, my Instagram page, Chandler Smith NYC. Uh, I was happy to get that one. Uh, I didn't have to add any numbers or any fucking asterisks or anything crazy like that. So Chandler Smith NYC on the Instagram. Uh, that's really the, the, I don't, I don't Twitter. I have a Twitter, but I don't, I, what is I guess the verb would be to tweet. tweet. I don't tweet yeah. actively. Okay. Like, cool. Uh, so Chandler Smith NYC but, is your Insta. That's enough. Yeah. That's, me. That, yeah. that's enough. That's, yeah, that's where I, I kind of limit it to that. You know, that enough is, 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 you know, hard for me to keep up with. So, uh, yeah, trust me, the more things you have, the more you have to maintain. And that can be, that can be a lot. Yeah. So fill in right. these blanks for right, me. Right, right. Love okay. is blank. Love is not fleeting. That's what. That's how I would fill in the blank. Love is not fleeting. Because they say love is fleeting, but it's not. It's not. There's there's plenty to go around, huh? Right. Absolutely. 
Joy is blank. My family. Is that so lame? Am I so fucking lame for saying that? It's true. No, no. Like, are y'all like laughing and like hamming it up? Yeah, laughing, hamming it up, talking a lot of shit to each other. Um, you know, it's just I'm, I'm, I feel so joyful to be around my family right now because I've spent so much time away from them. You know, so um, I can tell in your, I can tell yeah, in your Instagram I would, I would have to post, my family. Your, your Facebook post that you're like you're having a good time around the long tables and like really just kind of right. Well, in. I gave up, I gave up my sobriety drinking uh, rule. Like I, normally, I'm, I'm steadfast. I don't drink, but the two times since I've been home, I've been with my family, and I'm like, okay. They're not going to offer me drugs. Like, this is fine. You're I can safe. have a beer or two with my family. I'm safe. I'm safe. Yeah, absolutely. That's, and you're finding joy in it. Yeah. And then the last one is freedom is. Oh, wow. Freedom is. Ooh. I'm trying to come up with something insightful. However, I'm, I'm afraid it's going to be. Uh, no, come up with the truth. Free, free, freedom is wow. You know, I don't, I don't know. Freedom is uh, freedom is wherever or whoever you want it to be. To be honest, I mean, I, I, I don't know even know how to answer that. Freedom is that's God. You know, that's one of those primer questions that I really should have thought about, so I didn't sound like an asshole. But... Oh. Oh, no, no, like freedom is the right to sound like an asshole on the podcast. With Andre that's right, that's guess. right. And and I've had a great time being free with you, my friend. Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely, much love to you. And I, I got to tell you, so you didn't sa- you didn't sound like an asshole at all. You really said some some really really <laughs> awesome things that are going to land on our listeners. So I'm really grateful, really really grateful. Right, of course, of course. Thank you so much, my friend. It's been a real honor. If you enjoyed today's podcast, I want to invite you to like, share, comment, and tweet about this episode. Your comments help me to make this podcast the best that it can be and continue to share the love. Don't forget to pass this episode on to someone that you may know that might need an extra pick-me-up as well. Also, feel free to visit lovecityarts.org. We've got more episodes, monthly giveaways, upcoming in-person events, uplifting blogs, and a book club on the way. Love City exists to uplift artists, the ones that love them, and the inner creative genius in us all. Thanks so much for listening, and stay tuned for another uplifting episode from the Love City Arts Podcast.